Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. I have been a pitiful single congregation member, and they have missed y'all. I just can't dance enough and hold my hands up high enough. I will say, though, y'all have done a lot of work on me, and I now can raise my hand to here, and I'm really um, thankful for that. So thank y'all for teaching me to do that when I sing. So I've been thinking a lot about um, what I might talk about today, and it's kind of one of those really humbling spaces to be in, to be in this place and to have had an opportunity to be here with you for six years. Six years really in pastor time is a very long time. It really is. And I did not anticipate that I would get to be here as long as I have. And um, when I came, you may remember, I was 12 weeks pregnant with my now five-year-old, and I was gonna be the first female pastor that you had had here, and following a beloved pastor, Brian Mercer, and my friend, I was just petrified. And there were a lot of you, and just one of me and my beautiful family. And so I was very, very nervous that first Sunday. And I remember that I told a story about Brian that because I'd known him since high school, and so I told that story. And then I had a little song in my opening, my opening sermon, and it was by one of my favorite artists, and it was a way to let you get to know me just a little bit. And so I thought, you know, why not bookend it and close it that way too? Um, and so here's a little bit of a song by that same favorite artist. I'm going to do it in poetry style. Tommy used to work on the docks. Union has been on strike. He's down on his luck, and it's tough, so tough. Gina works the diner all day. She's working for the man. She brings home her pay for love. Yeah, for love. She says, we got to hold on to what we got. It doesn't make a difference if we make it or not. We've got each other, and that's a lot for love. Mm, for love. You know you want to sing it. Whoa, come on. We're halfway there. Oh, living on a prayer. Take my hand. We'll make it, I swear. Oh, living on. Oh, yeah, there you go. See, the great thing about a last sermon is you can say whatever you want and kind of do it. And then you get in your car and you leave. And if it's terrible, I don't know where this plane is going to land. I I really am not very sure. But I do know today has something to do with prayer. And so that's really why I wanted to sing the song other than it was just fun to sing. You know, I wonder, when did you learn to pray? Who taught you how to pray? How old were you? What little prayer did you know I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. My next door neighbor used to take me to church, Miss Pat, 
and she would take me every Sunday. And her little boy who would come with us, he was kind of bad. You know, he got in a fair bit of trouble all the time. One of those kids that couldn't sit still and talked a lot. And no, that wasn't me. I was actually good in comparison. But uh, he just was always acting a fool, as they would say, in church. And one day, he was in particular rare form. And um, his mother, who was in the choir, was giving him the eye. Now, you Southern folks, you know, uh, Southern mamas, what that is, what the eye is. And that means you have about five seconds to live if you don't stop whatever it is you're doing. As soon as she would give the eye, like my whole body just reflexively would just tighten up and I would be quiet, but oh, not my friend, man. He just, that day, just kept on going and she's giving him the eye. Well, unfortunately for my friend, uh, his daddy also knew the eye. And so she gave the eye to the daddy. And next thing I know, my friend is being carried out of the sanctuary, but he's not going to go down without a fight. And so he's screaming down the aisle, y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Help me. He was fine. It all ended okay. But uh, this is the first early lesson in prayer. And sometimes prayer is that way. It's that kind of that desperate uh, prayer that we do when we're afraid. Sometimes we pray when we're anxious or worried about something. Sometimes we pray when we're really filled with joy and we're just so excited and all we can do is praise God and it just comes out that way. A lot of our prayers aren't very long. They're just kind of short, short bursts there. And sometimes uh, when we're ill, we pray or when someone we love is hurting, we pray for them too. My first prayer, I think I've shared with you before, is one that I know y'all know. Uh, It's the now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And y'all know, that is a kind of terrible prayer to pray over a child before they go to sleep. Like, if I should die before I wake, what? That's a possibility? I'm like four. Anyway, that was my first prayer. And uh, I was also scared of the dark. I don't know if those two things were correlated, but um, I used to pray that as a kid. I think a lot of us have those simple prayers that we learned when we were children, and What happens, though, I think, is unfortunately, sometimes we never really move beyond those simple childhood prayers. And our prayer muscles, if you will, tend to atrophy. We don't spend a lot of time really working earnestly on our prayer life. I used to play ball, and I remember if you've ever played ball before or you've played with your kids, you know when they first start out and they're learning to throw, what happens? Like, it can go anywhere. There's no telling. It, it goes above your head and beside you, and you're chasing balls all the time. And, um, and when they go to catch it, half the time it hits them because they haven't quite learned how to do it. But if you work with them enough, if they work on it, then over time, the ball begins to hit its mark, right? It, They get better and better at it. It's muscle memory. So that even now, even though I haven't played in years, I could probably pick up a ball. It would come pretty close to where I want it to go. Maybe not exactly, but pretty close. But if you threw a ball to me, I could certainly catch it because I have that muscle memory built into me. And prayer is a lot that way too. It's the kind of thing, the only way you get better at it is by what? It's by praying, right? And so you have to pray over and over and you work on it. And so in chapter 17 of John, this is what Jesus is doing. He's praying over his disciples. He's modeling yet again what it means to be in connection with God. 
Jesus, everywhere he went, he prayed. He prayed before he picked his disciples. He prayed whenever he was gonna heal someone. He prayed off by himself on a mountaintop. He spent time, day after day, in conversation with God, building those muscles, and so it became just second nature to him. It was like breathing, because he understood the power of prayer and the importance of prayer. And I think we as a faith community sell ourselves short when we don't appreciate how important it is to pray and to learn to pray well. Now, if I have taught you nothing else, I hope you remember one thing that I did teach you, and it was this. Remember, when you look at your feet, when someone calls on you to pray and you look at your feet, it doesn't make you invisible, right? They can still see you. So, will you pray, or will someone pray? And everybody goes like this. It's, it, it doesn't doesn't help you. you. You need to be that person. And my hope has always been for this church that we would learn to be those people who the moment they say, will someone pray? We lift up our heads and we raise our hand with confidence. You know, maybe the things that come out of your mouth are not quite what you wanted to come out of your mouth and you feel a little embarrassed, but wouldn't it be better to just be embarrassed for Jesus than to shy away from it? I always share that with our confirmands. Develop your prayer life. Be that person that, that just with confidence and boldly can just go to God at any time. It is such an important way to witness that I think we miss a lot. Jesus, in his last few moments with his disciples, he did just that. He prayed for them. He had washed their feet. They had had a meal together. He had spent some time teaching them. And then he prayed this long, beautiful, complex prayer over them. And the whole chapter 17 of John is that. And I invite you to go and read it. What's cool about that prayer is it says that he prayed not only for his disciples, but he prayed for those who would come to know Jesus through them. So that is all of us. So when you read that prayer in John 17, Jesus is praying for all of you too, who would come in that rich line of discipleship across the generation. And I think that that's really cool. There is something really powerful about that when somebody prays for you, it's such a gift. I remember in these last few years here at this church, there have been moments where as one of the leaders, I've just hit a wall. Different things have happened, um, sometimes in my family life, sometimes in, in church life, sometimes it's just the burden of caring for folks and just the sadness that comes like if someone dies or someone leaves, just the weight of that that you carry all the time. And I know in those moments, what really has enabled me to keep going has been God has always seemed to send just the right person to come and to just undergird me in prayer. And there is nothing more beautiful than when you're pouring your heart out and you're crying or whatever is going on, you're upset and someone says, hey, let me pray for you. And they put their hand on your shoulder and they pray. And it really doesn't matter what they say. I mean, with me, I can't remember the words from those moments, but I do remember leaving that and thinking, okay, I can breathe, I can go. I can get back up and I can go. That is such a transformative thing and it's something that Jesus teaches us to do and he says is important. And so I just, if I could leave you with nothing else as your pastor for a few more hours, it would really be that, to take that seriously. I think the receiver really wants us to minimize that, to not understand the power of it, uh, to change things and to change lives. And so I hope that you claim that and continue to claim it. Many of you already have, but I, I hope you continue to develop a rich prayer life. 
This is what Jesus says when he prays. He says, I pray that they may be one. He prayed for unity among his followers, that we may be one, one with each other, one with Jesus, one with the Father, one with ourselves. And then he said, and that being one, they may have peace. You know, this last year and a half in the life of our church, I don't have to tell you, has been incredibly hard. And I think part of what has made it so hard is just watching us at times go from kind of this space of moving as one unit to beginning to move in lots of different directions. And that separation was incredibly painful. It happened long before COVID, and we just had these different things that were dividing us, and some folks left, and some stayed, and still the division was here, and that was such a hard season for all of us. It was hard for y'all. It was hard for me, and then these last few months have just been really weird. I do see, though, in these last few months, signs of healing and signs of hope, and I really am so excited for the future of this church. I'm actually, folks have said to me, when they found out I was leaving, they'd say, oh, I bet, and this is Trinity folks who would say this. They would say, oh, I bet you're so glad to be rid of us. And it really isn't true. It isn't true at all. I am excited to get to go and to be a senior pastor because I am wired. I'm just one of those people that likes to be in control and likes to just be independent and do my thing and lead in that way. And it is hard for me to have to come behind somebody and do what they say. I wasn't even super obedient as a child. So, you know, it's just, that's hard for me to be an associate. So I am looking forward to getting to lead, but I am not looking forward to leaving all of you because I really have developed a lot of great friendships and a lot of great roots. And so when I think of this church, I don't, the the last bit of time together has been part of that, but really it's so much more for me. And so what I wanted to share with you, Daryl preached a sermon his first Sunday here, and he talked about memory and the importance of remembering our story and remembering where God is in that. And so I was thinking about that as it relates to this church. I was thinking about all of the incredible memories that I have here. And so I wanted to show you my heart. Like when I think of this church, when people say Trinity, I almost always smile. And I want to show you why. It has a lot to do with y'all. I take a lot of pictures and I made this massive slideshow, like the kind that you dread when you go to your, uh, your relatives' houses because they show you all of them because there's so many pictures. So then I halved it, and then I showed it to Becky Clark, and she's like, there's still too many. It's too much. And so I halved it again. And so a lot of you are in it. If you're not, it doesn't mean that you're not in my heart and part of my story and your story. And so I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to stop talking and share it with you. So when I think of Trinity, this is what I see. This is what is in my heart. It is baptisms and it is funerals and it is weddings. It's confirmation. It's going on trips. It's sharing meals together, worshiping together, sharing life together, being creative and fun, crying together, disappointing each other and finding a way to forgive one another and work through it. It's reaching out to the community 
being the hands and feet of Christ. It's so many things to me and it's beautiful and it's complicated and it's messy, but it is God's. And so my prayer for all of you as I leave this place is that that you would be one, that you would remember the cords that bind us and, and not let that which separates us tear us apart, but instead remember this, this common baptism that we share, this love of Jesus Christ, this desire to grow in faith and be his disciples, that you would pray for each other, you would care for one another, that when Chris and Doug come, that you would welcome them in and love them and let them grow deep roots and let their children, Chris's children, grow up here and make them a part of your family too. When I think of this church, I feel very blessed to have been your pastor. I don't leave with regrets. I don't leave with anger or bitterness. I leave with joy. I leave with gratitude. And I am so glad to forever be connected to all of you. So thank you. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. Thank you for loving me in all my craziness. Thank you for forgiving me for all my failures. Thank you for being my people that prayed for me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.